everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Loudwire Podcast. I'm Graham. I'm Joe. And today we have the CEO of iLusion, Jeff Pizzuti. He's one of the creators of the Dio hologram that you've been hearing about and probably have been watching on YouTube. And have been talking about a lot. Yeah, absolutely. So we had him in lots to talk about. Obviously, there's been a partial backlash about the idea of a hologram. A lot of people do support it. A lot of people might go see it. It's like, it's kind of too early to tell. Well, it's, it's a touchy thing, and I think you really just... There's no right and wrong with this. You just have to go with what your gut feels. If you feel like it's not the thing for you, don't show up. But there's so many other people like me who can't wait to see this because I just love Dio so much that any chance to have a Dio singing in a live setting... I'm happy to go. Yeah, I want to see this thing too, to be honest. Uh, I wouldn't want to see a hologram of s- certain people. And then we talk about this in the podcast, people who I personally wouldn't want to see a hologram of. But for some reason, the Dio hologram really appeals to me. I really want to see it. Uh, maybe because Dio was so fantasy driven with his lyrics. He always took you to a place that you didn't know was real, but yeah. felt real. It just seems like it fits with him especially. Yeah, this is, a, this is a different form of escapism. He always had plenty of different means of escape in his lyrics, and this is a place for a bunch of Dio fans who are still gutted that he's not around because he got taken away from us, like, still in his prime at 66 years old. Yeah, and the guy was, <laughs> the guy was full of magic, so... You know, and he loved, you know, stuff like Disneyland and the Haunted Mansion. Yeah, so this so, is a place where Dio fans can all just escape together. Exactly. And relive in the magic or experience it for the first time. Yeah, so we talked to Jeff about how closely he's working with Wendy Dio, uh, when exactly the tour will hit North America, what songs you can expect to see if you go to one of these Dio hologram shows, all different kinds of things that you probably haven't heard before. All right, everyone. So here he is, Jeff Pizzuti of Illusion. It's time to sit down. And shout! Look out! All right, everyone, Loudwire Podcast. We've got a special guest here in the studio today, the CEO of Illusion, the creator of, or one of the creators of the Ronnie James Dio hologram that's going to be going on tour late this year. It's going to start a gigantic world tour. Jeff Pizzuti is in the studio. Thank you so much for joining us, man. What's up, guys? Hey, Thanks how for are you? Me. Oh, it's great. Thanks for coming yeah. in. When it comes to this hologram, who approached who first when it comes to Wendy Dio? Sure. I, well, I approached Wendy first. I mean, it was my uh, quote-unquote crazy idea that I thought this would be something that the fans would love to hear. So I reached out to Wendy. I told her what the vision was. And, you know, after a few different meetings we had, you know, she finally came on board. But it was uh, it was extremely exciting for us from the beginning. Yeah, I remember when I first saw the whole unveiling at Vakken, and I'll admit I got a little misty-eyed. I just, yeah, me too. Ronnie's one of my favorite singers. He should be every metal fan's one of their favorite singers. But I just had a really deep connection with his music. He was one of the first metal acts that I got into, and I just I wept when he died. I listened to nothing but Ronnie's voice for an entire week. I wasn't even working during this week. <laughs> I was just at home listening <laughs> yeah. to nothing but Dio. So to see this happen, like I, 
had no idea anything on this scale was coming. So I'm obviously stoked for it. Um, there's been a lot of backlash, though. Yeah. A lot of people don't think that it's ethical. There's a weird moral line. Some people say it's exploitative. Now, you're working very close with Wendy. Uh, right. What do you have to say to those detractors? Uh, what can you say to win them over? Well, it's funny because when I saw the... I coming from a standpoint of being a fan first. So the one thing that people have to understand, this is not a business guy coming in trying to make Ronnie James Dio a hologram. This is a fan of the the legend Ronnie James Dio that was making the hologram. So looking at it from that like from that aspect, I mean the first time I saw Ronnie was in nineteen eighty five on the Sacred Heart Tour. So at the Brendan Burn Arena, no less, um, in New Jersey. And seeing that show actually changed me as a as a both a fan and, and as a, a metal fan. But that being said, you know, people have to understand that, you know, where we are in the music space, especially the way the industry is built right now, that guys like Ronnie James Dio, you know, that deserve to be, A, in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, deserve to be recognized as one of the greatest vocalists of all time, if not the greatest metal vocalist of all time, need to understand that, you know, if we don't do something like this as a quote-unquote distribution channel uh, to get his music out there, Nobody's going to know who he is at one point in time. And we have to, it's so important that people do understand how important he was to the industry and to the metal community. So when we started thinking about this, you know, or when I started thinking about it, you know, the idea was, hey, listen, if you put Ronnie's vocals via hologram um, with a live band, so it's not like it's a movie, and put, create, put on this great show, people will come. You know, the people will come. And then when I started seeing the ethical thing, I said, well, they're not getting what we're trying to do. This is a celebration of Ronnie James Dio. This is not a... And a preservation you know, of the yeah, legacy. Yeah, a preservation. This is not about, hey, listen, let's put Ronnie on stage and just you know, call, you know, know, charge people a bunch of money. It's not that at all. It was built from the fact of, hey, this, this music is important to a whole legion of fans around the world. And the only way that we're going to get it out there because of the amount of... Um, and we all know this, that most of the revenue from... Or most of the money comes from touring. Sure. If an artist is not out there touring... Nobody's gonna, you know, nobody's gonna know who they are. Mm-hmm. So it became a really important concept. So for us, it was about, hey, listen, let's celebrate Ronnie. Let's get it out there. Let's put it with a live band. Let's create an incredible show around it and really make it fun. And especially for the younger generation, if you don't have something like this, it's they're gonna learn about Ronnie maybe through an older brother or sister or a family member of like, hey, check this stuff out. But as far as discovering it on your own, I mean, there's so much stuff out there these days that. How do you go back and just wind up discovering a catalog for somebody who's no longer with us? Well, frankly, we're a part of that younger generation because we're well, both. Yeah, we were like the last ones. Yeah, I'm saying you guys are the last ones in because that's where that's really important because you know I'm I'm 44 and and being in that age group, you know, I'm one of the last ones from the real from when Ronnie was already an established artist, right? Because Ronnie was already in Dio. You know, I missed. I was too young for the Rainbow Side. You know, I caught him with Sabbath, you know, when, when when Mob Rules came out and they went back to heaven and hell. But that was like really when I really started to really love Ronnie James Dio. But the idea was that, you know, this group, your age group, is the last ones that know who Ronnie is at this point, right? Yeah, this is true. the last ones because that are out li- there. Yeah, he was a living performer. Living performer. So what happens is at that point, at that exact line, how do we get it down to that next generation? This is And this is a way, like I said, using that distri- distribution channel model, this is a way that we're going to get it out there so fans can really appreciate who he was. And again, when you're hearing those vocals and nobody sounds like Ronnie, I don't care how great of a singer you are or who they are, nobody has that tone, nobody has that, you know, that power in their voice. 
So that shows you how important he was. And not only that, he was so loved by the community and the yeah, metal community that it's it's it just makes a lot of sense. So when I do it, going back to that, when I see the detractors, I'm actually kind of surprised because Dio fans should, to me, are the ones that really should embrace this and understand that, hey, listen, this is coming from a good place. This is not coming from that, you know, from a corporate place. And that's yeah. really what I'm You didn't about. anticipate this kind of backlash at all? Well, I thought, I always think there's, you know, nothing ever goes you know, 100%. But I thought, you know, and we have been, honestly, I mean, we've been relatively positive. The people that have reached out, reached out to us directly have been really positive. And the, I can tell you, the ones that were in the room at Polestar are the ones that really were blown away because they saw it live. Right, instead of just watching mm-hmm. it on YouTube. Totally and, different experience. Yeah, right. from just a fan in the, in the audience or yeah. whatever. And like you said, it makes sense for Ronnie. All of his lyrics were fantasy-driven. It was right. all this weird escape. And then he talked a lot about technology on Dehumanizer. So it seems like as far as a, a touring entity with a hologram, like it's natural that Dio would be the first. And it's funny, you know, getting to know Wendy over the last couple of years and knowing that and get the, through that, getting to know Ronnie, you know, being a fan is one thing. Getting to know a person is another, right? So we all have that. Every artist has that line that you never really know. You never really know what's behind the curtain. And I've gotten to know like who Ronnie was just through you know band members like Simon Wright or, or Craig Goldie, and getting to know their their aspect and obviously Wendy's take and 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 family and friends, and knowing who he was as a person. You know, and we've all kind of come to this this strange yet believable agreement that he would be in favor of this because of who he was, because nobody as an artist wants to see their legacy just dwindle away and you know, just the, oh, I, every couple of years oh well here's a reissue and no it's not remember the same. me there yes yeah, i mean the, the way you really make an impact globally is to do something like this and put a foothold in the industry and say hey listen this music is important and people should understand how important it was and when people hear songs like holy diver and last in line and and king of rock and roll and those songs they, they say, people will say wow we were stand up and shout I mean, oh, these yeah. are these are important songs, and the reason that they're important is because they're great songs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they're not just important; they're they're fun to listen to. If anyone on this planet would know whether or not Ronnie would be in favor of this, obviously it would be Wendy Dio, the person who knew him better than anyone. Yeah, you else. did the Wikipedia fact or fiction with her, and she, she knew, knew every about single Ronnie. nuance of Ronnie's yeah. life. And she's an incredible person. And she, you're right. You know, she's. We've all come to the agreement that you know, like you know, that he would be in favor of this just because of that. You know, Ronnie was also a guy who always loved incredible shows and stage shows, and and the the ability to do something like this when he was you know when he was with us would be different because he was like, wow, we can use this, we can do this, we can do that. Um, you know, having two of himself on stage, who knows? But the idea was <laughs> that this would be something that he would have entertained even when he was alive. So the fact that there are, there are people who don't understand it, and again, you're never going to win everybody over. But the fact is, I always throw it out there as a as a quote unquote gauntlet is that. Hey, listen, you can criticize, you know, everyone has the right to criticize. Everyone has, you know, you know, it's freedom of speech. You can say what you want, but come see the show and then come back and give me a feedback or give us feedback. Because it really is at the end of the day, when you're seeing a live band and you hear those, the magical vocals of Ryan James Dio and he's got a, there's a visual of him up on stage that nobody can touch anyway. And he's he's still looking like he is. I mean, to me, it's it's a it's a win win for everybody. Every it's a celebration of what he was. I wish he would have lived long enough to see the Tupac hologram. 
just to see what his reaction to that would have been. <laughs> just know that something in that realm is possible. He probably would have called Wendy immediately. <laughs> Wendy, <laughs> like, we need to get on this. <laughs> yeah. uh, speaking personally, uh, as a, a huge mega fan of, of Dio, I never got to see him live, unfortunately. Mm. It's one of the great regrets of my life. I, remember, I saw him four times. I remember we were going to see him, but then it turns out on that day, which ended up being like his fourth last concert or something like that, that I had some family thing. I had like a family dinner I had to go to, so I had to miss it. So, you know, I obviously don't regret spending time with my family, but just the fact that I didn't get to hear that powerful voice live, and and you even met him, Joe, after the show. Yeah, after the show. Not getting to meet Mm -hmm. him or just, you know, to feel his presence. You know, I it's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking to know that I can't ever have that. So when this hologram came about I went okay like I can have a little piece of what right. that would have felt like and that's the idea we never said we were ever going to replace Ronnie he's irreplaceable and it's never going to happen but um what we couldn't do is give the fans a celebration to be able to see him and your point is exactly that right you can watch YouTube all you want and it's a hundred percent not the same right you're not getting that's anything why people close. still show up to concerts right. instead of watching them on youtube it's yeah. exactly <laughs> it i mean you're not getting anything close to the live experience i mean when when those lights go out it's not like you're gonna you know watch it at your house you can turn the lights out the same it's not the same it doesn't no. matter what speaker system you no, have it doesn't how matter. big your tv you is it's VR when you're online when you're online for the beer lines whatever you're doing that's why you're going out to see a show and that's what we're you know that's the whole thing is like when those amps start to hum and when the lights go out and we have, you know, we have visual effects that we're putting out for the tour, that's what the whole thing is about. You know, it's, a, it's a whole experience. And, and Ronnie would be, you know, his voice is just so magical when you hear it. And especially for us, like, you know, I've, I've listened to, to, to Ronnie for, you know, again, since like 82 or whatever it was I first started listening to Dio um, or Black Sabbath. The idea was... Um, you know that vocal when you hear it live, and it's a live vocal with the live band. I mean, it just right. it just sends you this, you know, to another, you know, another place. That was one of the fan questions we got. We uh, we put up a little thing on our Facebook asking people to send in their questions. One person wanted to know where did the footage of Ronnie come from? A show, where and when? Was it taped on a soundstage for this purpose? Well, obviously not. No. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, where did this? Uh, footage come from so the footage is actually it's interesting so we scour through a bunch of videos and we scour through um photos and stuff but it's all digitally created right so mm-hmm. it's we we it's not taken from any specific performance or anything the only thing it's taken from performance is the actual vocal so we isolate the vocal so the, it's all live vocals it's not from all from studio tracks but the live vocal is then isolated and we take that and we match it to the hologram so yeah. the rest of it, the hologram itself is a digital replication of his movements. correct and, okay and it's it's, it's a in, really interesting process how we do it. You know, it's a, it's an enormously labor intensive, and that's where the the funniest part that makes me laugh is the cash cow parts and stuff. People have no idea how much stuff costs. I that's <laughs> this thing. I mean, this is like it's mm-hmm. like there's no such thing as as have any idea what this kind of thing costs. And when I see that, I actually laugh. I'm like, oh my god. But you know, I give I give everyone their chance to to, to weigh in and 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 listen. I'm you know I can take criticism pretty strong, and I understand. People are always going to be on the other side of the fence, and and the ones that are with us when they come see the show, I can guarantee they're going to love it. And the ones that don't go see the show but like to criticize, hey, listen, you're missing out, and that's the way I'd leave it. How much does this thing cost per song? Is that something you can tell us? Uh, well, I can just tell you it's it's expensive. It's not cheap. Is it in the six figures per song? It's yes, it would be in that in that ballpark. Six fi- not yeah. seven. 
No, well, if you're talking about it, maybe as a as a group, yeah, you're getting up to yeah, the seven. So the yeah. entire thing, yeah, seven mm-hmm. figures. So wow. when you're when you're talking, that's why I say when people say cash cow, you'd have to say or any of those things like you know milking on the thing. It just doesn't make any sense because the fact is, show out expensive. a lot. It's expensive to put this on. This is not a cheap endeavor, and no. this shows you how much of a labor intensive and passion project it is. Listen, at the end of the day, we want people to understand globally that this is an important for us as a, both a, a company and for Ryan James Dio and for the spirit to live on. And that's really what it is. Now, I imagine you had to bring in like kinetic specialists to work with uh, the digital team as far as mapping out the movements and everything for Ronnie. Or? We've got, yeah, there's a whole team that's involved and, you know, we're, we're lucky to have an incredible uh, digital team behind us. Uh, my my team lead is a guy named Chad Finnerty, who's been great. Um, we also have a guy named Scott Ross. He was partners with James Cameron. They did Titanic and Terminator oh, wow. together. So okay. So he knows what he's doing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we've got really heavy hitters behind it, and that's really how we've, um, you know, we've. I I say I think this time I was happy with the the the, the one that we we debuted at Vok, and I was happy with the you know happy with it. This time we're gonna blow people away. So wow. people who thought that that was great are gonna be you know like jaw dropping when they see this one. Yeah, I spoke to Wendy in Los Angeles in I think January of this year at the and, bowling, uh, at at the hard heavy metal Hall of History. Oh yeah, I was there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I spoke to her there, and she was saying that uh, if this thing was to be a full concert, if it was going to be an hour long, there would be four songs. Right. If it would be a ninety-minute set, there's going to be six, uh, rather four times that Ronnie the hologram Correct. would come out. A 90-minute set, six songs. So can you divulge which songs are going to be part of this set? Uh, Which Mr. Uh, Dio Hologram is going to sing? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I can tell you that we we tried to cover every part of his career. So it was important for us to do... You know, both Rainbow, Sabbath, and Dio. And I was going to say, I need one Rainbow ex- song. At exactly. Least. Stargazer, please. <laughs> yeah. Now, it's important to also understand, too, Man, that as a band and as with live singers, we can create in between to make the set kind of cohesive, right? So the yeah. idea is a celebration of his career. So from the, the hologram standpoint, I can guarantee you he's going to be doing like a Neon Knights uh, from Sabbath. Sweet. He's going to be doing Last in Line, Holy Diver, um, and King of Rock and Roll from the Dio stuff. Ooh. Um, and then we're. You know, from a rainbow, I can guarantee he was doing Man on the Silver Mountain. Yes. So, so those are all guarantees. So, we Stargazer just, does that enter uh, anywhere? Stargazer or? will be in the beat in the one. set, but it's not with the hologram. Okay. That's um, probably going to be in a, if we continue down this. When we continue down this path and start doing more content, that would be maybe for a U.S. run for next year. Awesome! So, I think yeah. that's the greatest song yeah. ever written. So. <laughs> well, I think we all agree on that's a great song. I'll take Man on the Silver Mountain personally. Just perfect. We'll fight <laughs> about that, that was, after that the podcast. That was five songs you mentioned, I yeah. think. What's the sixth? Oh, and we got, well, there's actually two more. There's uh, Rainbow in the Dark and We Rock. Wow. Sweet. So will will you be shuffling around the set list? or We will. I mean, there's a little bit of, um, we're going to be moving things around. We're going to try and keep it, you know, kind of keep 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 people guessing where we can. Um, we do like to keep a pretty stagnant set list for the most part because of the production qualities, but there's okay. parts that we're going to try and change. So. so the rest will just be Dio Disciples. Yeah, it's going to be the Dio, the Dio Disciples band, and with live singers, we you know we've got uh, both Ripper Owens and Oni Logan from Lynch Mob wow. live singing. So I didn't know about that. Do you know yeah. about that? Yeah. Really? Mm-hmm. Where have I been? <laughs> <laughs> 
with us, it was about creating a great show. So we want 90 mm -hmm. minutes. We want to, you know, both visuals and, you know, content-wise to really make the show entertaining. The one thing that we, we you know, me being a uh, live music fiend for a long time is that a lot of bands have cut back on the production values of shows because of, they you know, have to, yep. because they have to because of the money. So we've tried to change that a little bit and try and put them back in. So only because Ronnie would have wanted it that way. So that's why sure. I said when people say mm -hmm. anything about just trying to call. You have the giant call. mountains from like the early 80s tours. <laughs> we got, we're going to have some, we're going to have some really cool things and we got some, some visuals that I think people are really going to enjoy and um, really make it fun. And like I said, mm -hmm. it is a celebration at the end of the day and, and we're proud of what, We've done, and we're proud of where we're going. I'd kill to see like a 10, 15-foot mountaintop drum riser again. The, yeah, the giant mountain drum riser. Oh, that was so good. Was that yeah. the Holy Diver tour, or was that it's, after? Well, he did, he did it twice. So he did, he did the, 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 the mountain was Holy Diver, and then he kind of, they, they leveled it off for Last in Line, making it almost like a temple. And then for Sacred Heart, they made it into like a castle. So they did like the three. God, so. it's so silly. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> But that's, you know, that was what music was at the time. You know, everyone was trying to outdo each other from a production standpoint. And somewhere around the late, like once we had this this run of all the 80s bands, when the 90s hit and we can all thank that same band that we all talk about all the time, which is when Nirvana came, sure. they, they mm -hmm. stripped everything out of, you know, they were non-production, get up there. Jean you know, shirts, jeans Jean shirts, mm. you know, no, you know, the limited lights and get up there and play. Strings hanging off the... The headstock, <laughs> and that was what happened. And all the bands kind of kind of followed suit. Same did, deal with Pantera in the metal realm. Yeah, yeah. Break it down back to basics. Bracket, you know, and, and you know, Pantera did something I remember really cool that I really enjoyed when I saw them. I saw them so many times. I actually saw them uh, when they first came out. They opened up for uh, Suicidal Tendencies here at the Ritz in New York, and uh, it was, oh, Exodus it, too, right? Yeah, Exodus yeah. too. Right? Suicidal Exodus and Pantera. The Pantera was the third on the bill, right? And I was at the show at the Ritz and. And I was a fan already, because uh, I love Cowboys from Hell. And it, it, seeing that, seeing Phil come out on stage, I'll never forget that. He just tore it up. I mean, he came up with no shirt, shorts, and just like literally was like, <laughs> like a maniac, an animal, walking through the crowd afterwards. And I'm like, that wow. that guy yeah. is gonna be something. He's like a feral front but man. <laughs> when they opened for Sabbath for the reunion tour, uh, they had put this giant like uh, steel, like almost like a fence around them. It was so cool. Like ministry. Sort of, but it was like you'd see right there was like a fence. The whole thing, the whole stage was like a fence. And I'll never oh. forget that. It was like, because uh, that was the reinventing the steel tour. And it was really a gotcha. mm. pretty cool thing that they did. Yeah, it's like Maiden are the only ones really from that era that still bring the full blown 80s Maiden stage production. Maiden and Priest. I mean, because I think the two of them still kind of go hand in hand. I think that they both really, and Kiss, obviously. So they still yeah. go, yeah. they still kind of go through that full production aspect and a lot of the other bands have you know obviously because of how much it costs to take something like that on the road yeah, used to fund that through the record sales yeah exactly <laughs> it, used to, it was a completely different model at that time and you know i was just talking about this recently i said you know it's so funny how the industry has changed but how bands used to go on tour to try and promote a record well now they go opposite they go yeah it's true it's they they put They're, a record out just to, so go, on to go on tour <laughs> even, even paul stanley said that we just interviewed paul stanley for the podcast he oh you said did that exact yeah. same thing it's 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 exact the model has completely switched and it's caused bands to really think and it gets interesting because what we're doing becomes that um all those bands we just talked about the fact is at one point they're not going to be able to tour and what's going to happen to their fans you know we can create shows for each of them and actually make it like where I could say, you know, and you see the band, they're on stage, we can do album shows, we can do some cool stuff. And I think that's mm. where it really becomes interesting. Yeah. Right. So uh, this thing is going to hit 
Europe at the Correct. end of this year. Uh, eventually, it will make its way to the States. Uh, when can fans in North America expect to see this tour? I'm going to say summertime for sure, um, just based on the, the scheduling right now. So we've got you know, our, our agents working on it, and we've got offers in, in South America and Mexico. Definitely going to do those in, you know, before. And then I was telling you guys that we're either going to go South America, Mexico, U.S., or mm-hmm. Mexico, South America, all the way through Argentina back into the U.S. So. South America is going to go crazy. Yeah, that's what yeah. we're saying. Yeah. <laughs> the South American audience is going to be an interesting one to see yeah. how they, well, they react. They, well, it's interesting because they are... Um, I remember when we put the first one out, um, the Vakken one, South America was all over the place. You know, It was like you see... And I don't speak Spanish well enough to be able mm-hmm. to translate, so my future, wife, <laughs> my future wife was doing all the translating for me. She was because she's from Ecuador. She was be reading it, and she's like, okay, this is this, this is that, this is this. So I was like, so I always thought that, you know, from a, if people really understand what we're trying to do, and I watched it, you know, when I, I was at Vakken with Wendy and Todd, and I guess you guys know Todd Singerman too, you guys probably know him. Yeah, he managed yeah, Motorhead, Motorhead yeah, Anthrax. Yeah. So the three of us were there together, and um, we watched it from the stage, and I can tell you that it was, from knowing how long it took to build and do everything and seeing it all come to fruition and not know and people not knowing it was happening and and hearing the you know the people go wild it was it was a wild experience it was something that I'll you know honestly I'll never forget but you know knowing that where it's going to go future was really exciting you know it's like I say hey listen this was just the beginning and to know that we can take something that you know where I know that fans would really enjoy it and make something that's cool from both a fan's perspective as well as, you know, Ronnie's legacy and really, make, you know, pass that stuff down. And Now, what was Wendy's reaction like seeing that? I mean, I imagine she previewed it before and everything, but to see it actually in front of the crowd and it, that has to be a very peculiar yeah. situation that she's in. She was, you know, I got to be honest. I mean, she was, well, we, we've done, we had done rehearsals before we left for, for Germany and she was, ex- you know, she was excited, obviously, and, but the, the reaction that she had in Germany was completely different. She actually did. She, she, she was crying. I think because of that, um, it's a completely different aspect to see the stage lights and everything and seeing him back on stage and on that enormous It's, re- stage. it's real in that moment. Yeah, the rehearsals yeah. are the rehearsals. So, you know it's happening. But it really was. It, it changed. I mean, I had, I had seen the rehearsals for, you know, for weeks and and nothing had impacted me like the way it did when I saw it on stage. I was like, wow! And I heard the crowd, and the crowd roared, and you have all these people behind you, and you're you know screaming, and you're like, and he holds crap. up the Bakken banner, and <laughs> yeah, it was wild. I mean, we were we were really proud of of what we've done, and I always say to you know to anybody out there, the detractors or people that are supportive of it, I mean, they have to understand it is a it is a passion project for us, but also labor of love, and it's coming from the right place. I mean, it's it's truly. This is a. I am a true metal fan and a and a rock fan, you know, down to the core, and that doesn't usually happen. And that's where the you know that's what happens with some of this tech stuff. If you get the wrong people behind it, they it, it's like more of a corporate thing, and it becomes this weird this in this weird space where metal fans are like, ah, this guy's you know he's a corporate you know trying sure. to make a it metal. It's the opposite in this case. I'm a metal guy that's trying to make something that's cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you think there's anybody who the hologram uh, concept would not work for because I was thinking of, you know, musicians who have been passed on uh, and who I would want to see and who I wouldn't want to see. And the first name that came up 
Harper, a guy I would not want to see in hologram form was Freddie Mercury. And then I, I, I kind of had to uh, ask myself why. Like, why was I so against that? I think maybe just because his physical presence and his showmanship was so elaborate and so powerful. Uh, to have him not physically there, it, it pained me a little yeah. more than the It seems like there's the no like, rhyme thing. or reason or logical explanation other than just gut feeling. <laughs> yeah, and, and then but, I went to like Jimi Hendrix. I'm like, I wouldn't want to see hologram Jimi Hendrix play a hologram guitar. You know, so it's, it, I found but the this, Dio thing is like the greatest thing that's ever happened. It's <laughs> a very weird well, situation. I think, I think we agree that, you know, and, and being it from, from a, like I said, a, when I was in uh, sixth grade, I'm, the guys from my, my grammar school left, but I was in sixth grade shop class. I made a Dio plaque, you know, that's in sixth mm-hmm. grade. And I'm like, this is, to know all this has come because of, you know, where yeah. we've, you know, where I've taken it. But that being said, I mean, I think I disagree with you on the Freddie Mercury one because I am a Queen fan, an enormous fan, and I've seen the band with, uh, you know, Paul Rogers. I haven't seen the Adam Lambert version, but Paul Rogers. And every year when Queen was put out a new record, especially like the Innuendo record and, and a Kind of Magic record back in the in the 80s, I kept saying, oh, this is the year they're going to tour the U.S. This is the year they're going to tour the right. U.S. And it never happened. Yeah. And I was too young to see them before that. And... To see Brian May and Roger Taylor with the Freddie vocal, with a Freddie, you know, visual representation of the hologram, I think it would be very cool. I really do. I think that he's one I think would work really well. Now, it's interesting because Queen was never as big in the U.S. as they were outside the U.S. Sure. But I think that a f- like bands like that would work. And I actually, I would say the same thing about Jimi Hendrix because, again... You can't, to watch old videos is not the same as hearing a, a guy plug in. And it, if I mm. told you I could get you Jimi Hendrix and put an all-star band around him and you're going to go see that, that might change your idea. It's possible. Or maybe on the Experience Hendrix tour, have that come out at the end yeah, after or, every or something. huge celebration. I mean, can you imagine if you had like, you know, you know, and I'm not saying these people would ever do it, but I would say if you had like a Dave Grohl on drums and you had this this whole band set up that it was like, you know, like a three-piece I mean, Billy Sheen on bass and then Hendrix on... Can't go wrong with yeah. Billy Sheen. Yeah. <laughs> but, then, like, but then it's like, are they really the attraction or is, or is it about Hendrix really? Or do you just want to see this cool all-star band play awesome it's, music? It, be, it becomes like, you know, Hendrix is a guy that his his guitar playing was so iconic and, and obviously his vocals were unique at yeah. the time, especially. Mm-hmm. So I always thought that would be something that I would really want to see. I mean, there's there's certain acts that I think it works really, really well for. There's certain acts that I would never touch. And it's funny. People mm-hmm. always said, oh, you know, something about Michael Jackson. I said, I wouldn't go near Michael Jackson because, A, that's not my style of music, number one. Okay. But number two, it's just like I think that the problem with the industry now is that a lot of metal fans and a lot of metal music and, and hard rock in general doesn't get the recognition it deserves. And I don't want to roll over into the pop world. I want to focus on the ones that really, really matter. Somebody mentioned something about doing a, a Chuck Schuldner from Death, and I thought – that's an interesting one because that one didn't mm. cross my my thing. But I mm. said, They're "Wow, doing you death know, to all tour." <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's, it's like you know, it was, it was funny because I didn't even it didn't dawn on me. But you know, there's there's guys, there's legends in the industry that I think really do deserve to be recognized. You know, and and a band like Death was at the time were groundbreaking because it was they took the the quote unquote death metal to a yeah. pretty high level. And yeah, we're um, both huge fans of death. Call that well, one the Beyond the Unholy Grave tour. Yeah. <laughs> and Man. and I think that a guy like that might be, you know, who knows? I mean, 
But I just always say that the reason that we've gone down this route and the reason that I even wanted to even do Ronnie was for that reason um, is because I want people to understand how important that music is to a certain, you know, legion of fans. And there's nothing better than to, you know, because the pop world is always going to outweigh the, the, from a popularity standpoint, obviously it's why it's pop, but from a metal community and the metal community is so strong and the, you know, the fans are so embracing and you want to, you want to give back to that community. You don't want to just do something because it's commercial. You want to do something mm -hmm. that you really, you're, you're, you're satisfying a certain group of people that really are, you know, that it's, it's like a way of life. You know, hard rock and metal is not something that people understand unless they're in it. Cause it really it's like is. the saying, if you used to be punk, you never were. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's true, right? But it's like something that people have to, it's a way of life because that's the way you've, you know, you go see these shows, you go see these bands, you do this thing because it's really what you enjoy, but it's it's a lifestyle. It becomes more than just the music. It becomes how you live your life. And and everyone gets along that way. You know, the metal communities and, and, and the reason that people still talk about, you know, bands that were big at one point that aren't big anymore you know, or bands that, are you know still big like the Metallicas of the world because of the fact that it is it was brought out you know like Metallica first came on tour they were opening for bands like Raven people forget about that you know mm -hmm. Raven was the headliner and Metallica was opening it's <laughs> like a, I mean Metallica's playing stadiums now and and, and Raven is not but yeah they did, <laughs> but, you know, uh, it's they like, did a club crazy. show tour uh, either earlier this year or last year no then they're still good the I US. mean it has nothing to do with the style of you know quality, style music quality. Rock. It's exactly, <laughs> but the thing is that you know the metal community has always stayed strong and they support all bands. You know, it's, and and when a band kind of goes down, they, they find a way to get them back up. Mm -hmm. So you know, it's interesting. I've always yeah. found it. Is there any rock or metal musician that you wouldn't touch for a hologram, or is it just the pop stuff you wouldn't touch? You know, it's I've thought about it a lot, and I said there's 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 probably a few that I would stay away from maybe you know for now but you know for us it's like i don't want to just think about this business as just being somebody like about deceased celebrities or deceased artists because i always think there's a way to, to there is a way to capitalize on artists that are still alive and and you take like just use iron maiden for example right so iron maiden is never in our lifetime and i assume this maybe i'm wrong they have his plans <laughs> is never going to perform like number of the beast live in its entirety ever Right. Oh, not like do an happen. album tour. Yeah, yeah. Probably not. No. Right. They've got probably two tours left, maybe three. Um, they're probably they probably do another studio record. They probably go back out on tour for that record. They'll probably do another greatest hits tour, and they'll probably do maybe something else. Who knows? But you know, you know, Maiden. They've been doing it for a long time. They've they've re they've remained the same level or bigger for the entire time they've been. You know, I, they're bigger now than they ever have been. It's incredible. I mean, you don't see that. No radio play. No nothing. It's all about you know being an Iron Maiden. Um, you know, two nights at Barclays just recently, which is crazy. Yep. yep. Um, I was there for the first night. It was awesome. Me too. Insane. So, but that being said, they'll never do something like that. They'll never do peace of mind. If they if, if they did one of them, they couldn't do both, right? So it's yeah. like, oh, just don't play Quest for Fire live. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, those kind of shows, if you did something like that with visual effects and you and you put it in a smaller theater and you had people, you charged you know whatever price, smaller price point to go see it in multiple places. You'd have the Maiden fans coming out in droves if they know they can't see it anywhere else, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that is the, you know, those are the things. I don't want people to think it's just about, you know, a quote-unquote deceased artist versus a live artist because I think it's both. And I think that we want that metal music and the hard rock music to continue. And that the, the issue is that when bands like Maiden, Priest, Metallica, ACDC, and all the big ones do finally stop touring, 
they're all going to be in that same weird spot. You know, there's going to be a huge void too. It's going to be an enormous void because we need to go out and see these shows and we need to go out and see this live music. And that's what makes it fun. You know, that those bands, the reason half the people go there just for the experience of seeing a live show. They don't, mm-hmm. some of them, I saw people that have, didn't know half the songs that Bane was playing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, especially the newer stuff. So, but the thing is that st- they still win and they still support because they want to hear, you know, Wasted Years. You know, they want to hear The Trooper. The, you know, those songs will live forever, but they don't get played on the radio and they're they're going to be in a weird spot from a band standpoint because you know they're not going to physically be at one point physically be able to tour cuz they you know look, look at Bruce Dickinson the guy's like a maniac on he stage he just turned 59 yeah and he's, he's the running only guy around not like a in lunatic and Iron Maiden Steve and Steve Harris is still you know he still looks the same actually i think <laughs> he he's the only exactly guy who has an age looks exactly the same Yannick looks horrible by the way <laughs> Yeah, that's, that's a whole right. different... I, I'd love to come back for a podcast just on that because I have a whole different feedback on that. You can make a Yannick hologram. <laughs> <laughs> Did you see that uh, that post on the Hard Times or whatever? Was that uh, Metallica replaced perfectly healthy Lars Ulrich with hologram? I saw that. Yeah, I saw that. I was like, oh was my God. <laughs> I saw that. I was like, oh God. Uh, Those guys Everyone funny. seemed to be in favor of the hologram. But, yeah. <laughs> but, I don't um, understand because, you know, I think, I think Lars still kicks ass i mean I've, I've seen them numerous times and you know everyone always i always i don't understand the, the lars thing i think it all started with the napster thing and it never kind of got off of that so maybe mm. i think and he just it's clearly he's getting it done because they're playing to a ton of people they're playing, yeah, so. yeah. They're playing <laughs> and that won't ever yeah. change you know so lars is a guy that um or metallic is a band that has gotten you know everyone the only sidestep that they ever had was load and reload. I think that was... Saint the, Anger. <laughs> and Saint Anger. But, you know, Saint Anger, I give them a little credit for because they tried to get heavy. They missed out on the... The they, the songs weren't that good, but they tried to go back to a heavy spot. They yeah. fixed that in Death Magnetic, but they, they kind of lost mm. it in between. But, you know, I gave them credit because they tried to go for a heavier... It's just that the songs were... As a matter of fact, I'll never forget the first time I ever heard that record, I was like... Where are the hooks? Mm, right. <laughs> it's like so, no, nowhere to be found. I've I've, uh, I've started a, a a love affair with some kind of monster this year. I've watched it like ten times this year. Oh alone. my god! Yeah. And God bless I'll, you. I'll be honest. <laughs> I'm not intimately familiar with saying anger, so I'm listening to it. I'm watching it with one of my buddies, and he's singing along. I was like, wait, that song made the cut for the album. <laughs> <laughs> it is the best Spinal Tap sequel there ever could have been. Yeah, it was like it was like a record that they forced, and it was it was it was pretty. It was interesting that they they put it out, and it was interesting that they were behind it. And then when they had the whole documentary come out, it was like, wow, this is this is a lot deeper than mm. they need to be. This is yeah. supposed to be a fun. This is not supposed right. to be about. It shows psychology. you what bands go through though when they get that big, and you're just like, where do we go from here? Well, it's and not. We we all learn. I mean, I've learned this firsthand. I mean, it's not it's not easy to write a song. It's not easy to be relevant for forty years, thirty years, twenty years to two years. I mean, look at the look at the look at the way the world we are now. An artist can release an incredible song, you know, tomorrow, and they could be gone, you know, in two weeks. And then mm-hmm. that song could have been amazing, and it could be played everywhere. But the fact is that in this world, we have a very short attention span, which is why, you know, the same reason that the hard rock people have to be, you know, unified around what's trying to happen. Like, you know, support the music, support these guys. These guys that go on the road, do a ton of shows, and you know, if people don't go out to them, they're gonna stop going on the road because they. They have to be able to pay their bills. Yeah. You know, so. How about this? When Metallica does their next arena tour, right before they do from whom, uh, For Whom the Bell Tolls, Hologram Cliff Burton. 
playing Listen, that bass I'm, I, I, I think that that would be cool <laughs> that would be cool I would like to the fans would go nuts to see Cliff back there playing that I agree lick. I agree you know that was you know I saw him the first time I saw Metallica I saw him on Just For All and and actually I didn't hear for I think it was like three days there was Queensryche uh, opened up and I swear to God I, it was so loud it was the loudest they because they they opened up with uh, with black and then I forget when the first chord hit for black and I was like I thought I think I did my ears popped that's how bad it was but it was so and they they played this is again it's gonna date me but they played the then Brendan Byrne Arena was Continental Arena the Continental Airlines over in Jersey okay it's called Brendan Byrne at that time I think um, but yeah it was it was crazy loud and it was so good but it was with Jason Newstead and I never got a chance to see. Metallica with Cliff on the master tour you know they opened up for Ozzy and I was just I you know just didn't go to the show so hmm. all right now talking about um live bands someone actually asked um on Facebook when we asked for uh, some questions has anybody living approached you about filming them for a hologram for when they either stop stop touring or pass on oh my god you name it there's always been a joke or sometimes it's real that's why you said Don Jameson was one. Don was laughing when we said, he says, I need a hologram of me. So I was like, you know. <laughs> Do so, two shows a night. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and I, you know, it's funny because um, we've, we've, um, you've heard it from a lot of people. And, and I think that there's certain artists that it makes a ton of sense for to do it now. Um, you know, with bands like Aerosmith and, and ACDC in a weird spot and, um, and others that are getting ready to wind down. I think it makes sense. I really do. I mean, being honest, I mean, look at the look at the the opportunity for the artist. Look at the opportunity for the fans to see them. I mean, nobody knows how hard it is to actually go on the road until they've actually done it. You know, to go from hotel to hotel to hotel, from plane to plane to plane, which is why Tony Iommi came out when the set when Sabbath was doing the you know the recent tour. And just says, I don't like the tour. Yeah, he said he can't do yeah. it anymore. You can't physically do it because it is a extremely taxing thing on your body. You know. You basically play for t two hours, but before that, you're you know you get up at whatever time of the day. You're you're waiting around all day. You do a sound check for maybe thirty minutes, and then you go back. You wait for the opener to go on. You go on at eight fifteen or not, actually nine fifteen. You play to eleven eleven fifteen. You're done, and then you get back on the bus, go to the next spot, do the same thing. Well, when you're younger, it's exciting because it's something you look forward to doing, right? You're you're you're. It's about the fans. It's you know, and I'm sure Sabbath feels the same way. It's about the fans, but. Your body when you're saying, pushing seventy and battling, yeah. When your body's and, saying, "Hey, listen, we gotta we gotta take a break." You know, this is this has been going on for a, a long time. So, you know, I wouldn't I I would say it's 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 out there, and it could be almost anybody that um, that would want that. Um, like I said, but we my vision is I wouldn't just want to do where where people go wrong and where people have gone wrong in the past is they look at it as just it's just a hologram, it's just technology. No, no, no. What we're doing is envisioning it like it's a true live show you know put the put the bells and whistles behind it you know make it fun make make it engaging to the fans try and make it something that people are going to walk out of there and say hey listen it wasn't the real thing i know that but man it was fun those are songs that i have not heard live in 20 years or 30 years and bands like that have a, a rich catalog like aerosmith like acdc those are the bands that can do it see those bands actually end up falling into a rut because in a way because they have to play a certain amount of songs live, right? They have to play a certain, like, 15 songs that they, they can't get away from playing. So their set list ends up changing only a few every tour, right? Four or five. 
But if you could actually do something where you can have these bands perform these quote-unquote album shows where people would be behind it, it would change the way people would be able to see live music and it would become a new way for them to, you know, get behind a catalog, you know, really get behind something that they could, you know, yeah, and it brings you back to the experience of putting that album on for the first time. Yeah. Like, I remember the the first time I put on like so many of like Dio albums when I first got <laughs> into metal, like, um, or even when I just got into Iron Maiden. Six months later, they put out Dance of Death, and I went to school and I asked my mom, like, the new Iron Maiden album is out. Can you go out and get it for me while I'm at school? And, well, you just made me feel really old. And she, and she, <laughs> but she did. And then I came home, I got off the bus, and I listened to the new Maiden album on repeat for, like, the next eight months. Well, that's, and that was, that's actually what's changed in the industry, too, is the fact that that excitement of new music, there's a lot of great new music out there that people aren't, I can't figure out why they're not engaging to it maybe it's because it's the, the market is flooded with new music but the thing is there used to be a way that you know an album a band would release an album and you wouldn't stop listening to it till you got your next record you know you'd be mm-hmm. like one two three you'd queue them up but you would now it's like there's so much out there you get 20 records coming out every friday it's like all right so where do i start and then the yeah. following friday you got 20 more and then before you know it, you're you're before it was just <laughs> huge bands signed that were making up these label rosters but now you have dozens and dozens and dozens and a lot of them honestly a lot of them start start to sound the same right so now it's you can be beholden to this band or that band but you can get that sound so many other places where you're not looking forward to that one band to release something new it's 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 fun i mean i think it's 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 the same thing like you know a lot of bands go through the the remaster reissue that whole phase and they they try and put extra bonus tracks and Listen, I think it's a way to actually capitalize on on making something for the fans that they could be really behind. And I think this is this this distribution channel, this way of doing the hologram would be kind of fun. And fans could still go out and see a show. Has Gene Simmons called you yet? <laughs> no comment. No. <laughs> That's I, not I a no. Imagine, I can imagine him being the first guy to call to you know, like kiss the hologram show on that tour. I could totally see him doing that. Well, you know, it's funny because I am a big Kiss fan and I, I have so many great ideas for so many different bands. And, you know, you guys, again, are too young. But the first time I saw Kiss, I'll never forget, that blew my mind. You know, that was it, sure. was, it was just, you know, that was the first band that I had seen that actually used pyro in a, in a show. And I'll never forget how loud it was and how crazy it was just to hear like bombs going off. <laughs> You're like now people be running for cover, but <laughs> that the, that kiss show was normal. Yeah. All right, Jeff. We want to thank you so much for dropping by and talking to us today, man. We really, really appreciate it. Uh, Illusion and get ready for the Dio hologram world tour going all around the world, starting late. 2017 and probably all of 2018 i'm sure it's going to be all over the place next year yeah i was just going to say it's 11th it's kicking off november 30th in helsinki finland um and then if you guys want to check us out illusionlive.com you can follow us on facebook and twitter and instagram and uh, we'll have more announcements in the very near future for new artists all right awesome. keep your eyes open everybody thanks a lot Jeff. Right, thanks. Oh, thanks guys All right, Jeff Pizzuti, everybody, CEO of Illusion. Yeah, I mean, we were we've been discussing wanting to do a podcast, just talking about the Dio hologram since the news yeah. kind of got announced. Yeah, we were gonna go eventually see the hologram and then do a podcast about it. We still might, but when we got the email, hey, do you want to talk to Jeff? 
We yeah, jumped absolutely. on it. Of course we do. We want to know all about this thing. And after talking to him, you really can't tell. As he said, he's a metal fan first. Oh, yeah. He just happens to be in a really, really, really cool business where as a metal fan, he can just make his dream come true. You can tell he's in this for the right reasons. And I'm glad he's doing this. I really can't wait to see it. So it's going to be probably, yeah, we're going to have to wait for the better part of a year, it seems like. Probably next summer. I summer never thought I was going to see Dio on a stage again. So what's one more year? I'll wait. Yep. Yep, for sure. Well, everybody, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Loudwire podcast. Make sure you visit loudwire.com for all your daily rock and metal news. Follow us on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram. Hit the subscribe button on YouTube. Hit that subscribe button on iTunes. Leave us a nice rating and a comment if you'd be so kind. Get ready for the first ever Loudwire Awards ceremony. And concert. Yeah, in Los Angeles at the Novo, October 24th. We're going to be honoring Tony Iommi with the Courage Award. We're going to be honoring Rob Halford with the Lemmy Award. So both of those guys are going to be in the building. Yep. Tony Iommi, Rob Halford. We've got a trophy cast out of Tony Iommi's hand, and we turn it into a friggin' trophy. So eat that, Moon Man. (laughs) Yeah, so head over to loudwireawards.com for all your info on the award show. Follow me, Graham, on Twitter at Graham Wire. Follow me, Joe, on Instagram at Ice Nerve Shatter. All right. Thank you, everybody, so much. We will see you next time for another Loudwire podcast. Have a good one. Look out! <laughs>